All right, you're listening to NBA Draft Talk, and I'm Nathan, and I have with me Landon Peden, emerging NBA draft analyst. We're going to talk today about Landon's favorite role players in the 2019 draft that Landon is just a couple weeks away. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped, especially because as a role player myself in basketball, I have a special feeling in my heart for all the role guys out there who don't get to go top 10 and be seen as potential stars, but they get to play a long time and live out their dream. Excellent. And that's a good point. What's interesting about the modern NBA, Landon, is teams that need specific things from specific players, especially uh, teams that have a star or two already. And so you see the value of some guys that might be, we all know the term 3 and D now, and other specialists and rim protectors and all that. So it does seem like the role player gets more love than he used to. What's interesting is we'll see some of these guys that I think 10 or 15 years ago, I'm going to, our first example is Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark, I think 15 years ago, he's not going to be a star in the NBA. He's not going to carry a team. I don't know that he'll be the first or second guy on a team, but we could see him in the top 10. I, I don't, I'm not as high as, as him on others. I do really like him though. I could see him going uh, in the top 10 because of these things he provide. Although his ceiling, I think is his age and, and, and some of his other skills, he does have maybe a, a lower ceiling, but he has a pretty high floor, like you were saying. So I think we're seeing the respect some of these guys get, uh, as we've seen in the last two or three years, especially in the draft, especially after 18. Uh, some of these guys that I, that are, might be just shooters or might just be defenders or might be 3 and D guys, we, we see them get picked higher than, than we used to. Let's start with Brandon Clark because he's kind of this exhibit A of what we're talking about. Tell me what you like about Clark, Landon. What I do like about Clark is his, def- his defensive potential combined with the, his athleticism. Clark was able to protect the room at an elite level. He averaged over three blocks and one steal a game, even though it was what it was technically in a lesser conference. He's probably the second or third best athlete in this class behind the freak that is Zion Williamson. So that's still pretty good. But the only thing that limits him to me is offensively. He's much like the rim-running Clint Capella types that we see today where he's pretty much layups, lobs, dunks. He doesn't really have an outside shot. His free throw percentage is in the low 60s. And combined with the fact that his wingspan is exactly the same as his height, he's 6'8", his wingspan is 6'8", that doesn't spell good news for him long-term in the NBA because the best defenders that are a bit undersized as big men, for example, Draymond Green, have elite plus wingspans. Draymond has a 7'2 wingspan, so a plus 6 wingspan. Clark has a plus 0 wingspan. Although he's a real good player, that's one thing that worries me, that, that we may be getting a, just a, a little bit of hype because you talk to, uh, you listen to a lot of draft pundits, and they love Clark. I think it's kind of gotten a mind of its own. Uh, he is going to be a good NBA player. He's 23 years old. He is not a good shooter, like you said. And we're going to talk about why all these guys are not stars. I just think he's, he's going to be a really good ro- rotational player, maybe a good starter. But the length worries me, Landon. He transferred from San Jose State. He was a uh, atrocious shooter with a really strange-looking shot. If you ever watch any of his tape from San Jose State, it has improved. So some people think, hey, he's going to improve his shot because the metric of the free throws and, and how much better he was at Gonzaga – uh, what do you think his long-term ceiling is, especially as a shooter? I think long-term he has a chance to become one of those guys where you put, where if he's in the corner and he's wide open, you can trust on him to make the shot at 33% of the time, at least where 
He's enough of a threat that defenses have to respect him a little and open up the floor. He's, in a way, like how Pascal Siakam loves the corner three and he rarely shoots above the break threes. He just needs to have that much range to his game, just open up the floor a little, because he's not going to be shooting the deeper threes. He's not going to be shooting top of the key, straight on threes. His range is going to be limited no matter how he develops, but I foresee him being an okay three-point shooter long-term. Where do you see him going range-wise? I, I, I see people kind of all over the board with uh, Clark. Uh, he's got a pretty wide range. Where, where do you expect him to go uh, in the draft? I would say as far as range goes, I would say starting around pick nine, so Washington, all the way to pick 19, which is San Antonio, just because I see other draft analysts put him much higher in the top 10. I just don't see it because unless it's a team like the Celtics a couple years ago where they were in the playoffs, but they still had the Nets picked and they could afford to take the safer guy to fill out their roster. We don't really have that team in the top five now. Like you're saying, that makes sense. And none of these teams are in realistic playoff contention. They want stars. They're not going to take the safe, defensive-minded power forward to shore out their defense. They're going to take the guy who has potential to be an offensive star in the league because right now that's why they're this high up in the lottery. They don't have that star power. And they should. They should be taking that guy. Uh, You said Spurs at 19, so you feel like he he wouldn't get past them? No. At that point, it's starting to get to the playoff teams where – his potential, even if you don't think he, he will develop much more and he'll just be a solid rotational guy for a playoff team, that's really good value. And especially with the Spurs, who have a proven track record of taking these guys who are elite defenders and questionable offensive players and develop, developing them into all the way from okay offensive players to superstar talent offensive players like Kawhi Leonard. There's a lot of, there's Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, uh, who's got, who had really a questionable jump shot uh, in college. And, and so, yeah, they have tons and tons of examples of guys that they developed. Uh, I think that's good. I think 19, uh, it would be hard to imagine maybe going past them. You make a good point. That being said, Landon, who's an ideal fit for him? Who do you think the ideal fit for, for him to go to is? What team? Well, with these measurements that we now have that, his wingspan is – a huge problem for his defensive upside. He no longer projects as a potential smaller ball five. He's pretty much locked in as a defensive-minded four. And with that, I think his best fit is probably the Minnesota Timberwolves at pick 11 because Carl Anthony Towns has become one of the best offensive players in the league. But defensively, he's okay. He's not as bad as he was a couple years ago, but he's not what we thought he would be coming out, which is kind of weird because... Looking back, it was, he's a great defensive player, but what do we know about his offense? And now it's the complete opposite. And so right now, they still have Dario Saric from the Jimmy Butler trade. And I don't really see Brandon Clark surpassing Saric this season. But long term, I see Clark as the defensive-minded four next to Carl Anthony Towns, where Clark pretty much is just there to rebound, run the floor, and shore up the defense. And that's really what they need because they're a fringe playoff team right now. They're picking at 11. And in the West is always a hard conference to make the playoffs in. But if you, if you, if you shore up the defense and you still have Towns as, you're, as one of the best offensive players in the league, you have a much better shot than before. Landon, who, who's someone else that's got a role player future uh, in this draft that you really like? Probably my second favorite prospect in this draft behind Zion Williamson because you can't beat Zion Williamson is Matisse Seibel, an elite 
an all-time great defensive guard out of Washington who played four years and projects as a potential 3 and D guy down the road to a playoff team. What do you like best about him? Obviously, defensively in the Pac-12 last year, uh, you know, he could guard anybody. He was, like you said, historically good. Tell us a, a, a little bit about his frame and his size and, and, and what you like best about him. Well, he's 6'6". He has a just over a seven-foot wingspan, so plus six inches, which are elite measurables for any guard. He has above-average athleticism. He's not stunning. He's not out of this world, but when he's getting a little bit of a runway to think about it and ramp up, he, he can really get flying. And he's just, he knows his role. And that's the biggest thing for him on offense is he's almost scared to take more of an offensive responsibility. He averaged under 10 points his senior year at Washington while he averaged three steals and two blocks. And that's really just because he knows what he is. He is an elite defensive guard who can transform a defense, but offensively, that's not his thing at all. How old is he? Thibel is 22. He was a senior at Washington, so he's older. He's doesn't have a ton of room to grow. He's not going to tap into a lot of future potential and transform himself into a star compared to some of these freshmen who have three, four years in youth on him to develop. So I think uh, Thibel is kind of your perfect example of a guy that uh, I think would have maybe played in Europe or been a second-round pick, depending on the situation and, and kind of who drafted him or who he caught on with. But now these guys are going to the first because of this evolution we've talked about of, of specialists more so than ever. I mean, uh, we've had for a long time we had – we have had role players, but the, I think the value that they get to the draft and, and I just uh, think that has evolved. And I think this guy is exhibit A of that because he's so limited offensively and he's 22 years old. Uh, that normally I don't think a guy like that would go in the first round. We're going to see him in the first round, right? What, what do you see as his range? I see his range as 19 from the Spurs again, all the way until pick 30, which is Milwaukee, just because – they're likely to lose some of their guards that were a big part of their success this season, and I think he can come in and step in as a high-floor guy, and they do love their wingspan. They do. They they really do. Um, some teams uh, favor that heavily. I know Orlando and Milwaukee do. Also, Milwaukee looked like they had uh, Giannis and four shooters, though, so how would he fit in, into that, though, with them? Well, in college, at least, he was a 35.8 career three-point shooter. And in the NBA, he's probably the fifth offensive option on the floor. And he, he likely plays with Giannis at some point. And Thibel is pretty much going to be invisible to team's defense because it's Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's Eric Bledsoe, it's Chris Middleton if they bring him back. They're not going to care about this rookie that's coming out of Washington. So well, The guys on the floor, they have to hit open threes. And if he's uh, shown that he can do that, and I'm sure, like you said, he would be wide open uh, as a young player. So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty decent fit. Is that your answer for his best fit as a team? Like, for him, what do you think is the ideal uh, landing spot? Actually, I think his ideal landing spot is Golden State at 28 just because it seems like Sean Livingston is going to retire this offseason. We think Kevin Durant is going to leave. Iguodala is getting up there in age, so they're bigger guards, they're wings. They're gonna, they need some new players. And he can step in and be a rotational guy right away because of his defense. The Warriors have always valued defense, so Thibel can certainly get on the floor. And when you've got Steph Curry and Klay Thompson out on the floor, in theory, with you at the same time, 
like the hypothetical with Milwaukee. He's going to be wide open. And that's the one part of his offensive game that I like, is that when he's open and he has time to think about it and get himself set up, his form looks good, his confidence looks good, and he shoots a lot better. Okay, so I love this stuff. I love the deep dive. We hear the same players all the time and the same uh, people saying the same things. I love when we get a deep dive on these guys. We've heard of um, Fiebel and we've obviously heard of of Clark, but um, it's just good to kind of deep dive on these guys. I love this kind of stuff. Uh, Landon, who's next? Next up is Cameron Johnson, senior from UNC, sharp shooting forward. He was a transfer to UNC after some time at Pittsburgh, and he quickly became one of the unexpected stars of this draft to me because coming in before the season, Pittsburgh was atrocious in the ACC. Then he goes to UNC. And suddenly he's really good. And now it looks like he's going to have a future in the NBA because he's a 6'9 forward who shot 40% for his career from three. And in today's game of three-pointers and layups, a guy who shoots 40% from three and is, has plus size, is a willing defender, is a good athlete, he's going to go in the first round. Excellent. Yeah, so obviously we most of us saw him play, and he's a guy that – uh, I think you watch play and you think, why is this guy not a bigger prospect? But, you know, he's an older player, but I think he has role play written all over him. Big guy. Uh, what, do you, what do you see his range? I see his range starting around pick 21 with Oklahoma City because they definitely need more shooting at any position. All the way to Philadelphia at pick 33 because, as we saw at the end of the Toronto series, it was really their five starters and then not much else off the bench. And they just need... Another guy off the bench who can score some, shoot, open up the floor, and that's Cam Johnson's game. What do you think the best fit for, for him is? I think Philadelphia at pick 24 is probably his best fit because, like I said, they, they're really lacking in terms of bench talent, so he can come off the bench right away. He can play good minutes. And his role is pretty much what Ersan Ilyasova was two seasons ago where he comes off the bench. He's a shooter. He spaces the floor, he's efficient, and he's unselfish enough, and he knows his role in offense to not disrupt the flow of the ball for the Stars. Awesome. Who's next? Um, next is a guy that I started following during the offseason process because I remember he was contemplating last year's draft, but with how many good big men we had last year, there was just no room for him, and it's Daniel Gafford, center, Arkansas. He's in that Clint Capella type role where he's a rim running big man he's athletic he's a good rim protector on defense he has some questions about his lateral mobility and guarding when he gets switched onto smaller guards but that's the knock on most big men in the league it seems like nowadays and he's just got a really high floor because his game is so translatable to the nba because like capella he's gonna rim run he's gonna catch lobs hit layups make awesome dunks and protect the rim on defense. And that's pretty much all he is, and that's all he needs to be. So you talked about his limitations a little bit more. Is that why he's he's not going to go higher? His biggest limitation is his free throw shooting, which is only 56.2%. He doesn't take threes at all, and so he really cramps the spacing of any team he's on. Yeah, so you see that now. Um, obviously, we talk about this. Centers that can't hit free throws, they can't space the floor – uh, they're not going to play in big games, and I think that's a consideration because most of these guys that want a role player, they feel like they're competing, right? 
uh, depending on when they're picking. So um, that's kind of an idea of why why this guy wouldn't go higher. But what where do you see his range, and, and what do you think his best landing spot is? I see his range starting at pick 24 with Philadelphia because they really need a true backup to Joel Embiid, especially with his health, because I, I, I like Boban. I think he's a fun guy. He's a fun player to root for, but realistically, he's not that good of a backup. He, he's a gadget player. He has specific circumstances where he gets thrown out on the floor, but realistically, in a playoff series, if he's your backup like we saw in Game 7, you're in trouble. All right, so the last guy uh, that you like is Talon Horton Tucker, the guard from Iowa State. I've heard a lot about this guy recently, and, of course, he's, uh, he's on your list, I think, before uh, other people had him. Tell, tell me about Tucker. So for the main selling point on Horton Tucker is his physical upside and his length. He's 6'4 with a 7'1 wingspan, and those measurements are around the same size for Donovan Mitchell. I'm not, and I'm not saying that. Tucker is going to become Donovan Mitchell because he's not. But what he does offer is a ton of defensive potential, toughness, and hustle. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that he's got a seven-plus foot wingspan. So I would say it was really fun to watch this year. And sometimes you'll you'll see a team that doesn't look like they have a big-time NBA player. And I remember like Van Fleet and Ron Baker uh, for Wichita State four seasons ago. And they come to find out they're both in the NBA. Fleet is a really good backup. And I, I think we could see Tucker being this guy's like, oh, Iowa State was really good. He had good players, and they had Tucker. And I, I think he's a guy, like, like you think, is uh, he's just got the body for it, he's got the frame for it, he's got the mentality for it. The big question is, uh, where, where do you? what's his range, and uh, who do you think the best fit would be for him? I see his range starting around pick 26 with Cleveland because they really don't have a guy as – projected as the long-term two-guard next to Colin Sexton. Obviously, this depends on what they do with the fifth pick. And in Cleveland, he would have plenty of opportunity to get on the floor and develop and learn because he's, I believe he's going to become the youngest player in the NBA when he gets drafted. He's the youngest player in this draft. Wow. So Tucker's uh, just sounds good all around. He's young. He's rejectable. Why has this guy not been a bigger NBA prospect before now? And why, why do you think he won't go higher? Well, like I said, he's a two-guard slash a small forward. And to be one of those guys in the NBA, you have to shoot. And Tucker, right now, is not a good shooter. He shot 62.5% from the free throw line and only 30.8% from threes. So right now, if he's on the court, he's going to mess up your spacing, especially because as a two-guard, you likely have another non-spacer on the floor. And in today's NBA's offensive game that's a death sentence for any team that's trying to be competitive guys that'll be it for now uh, we're going to deep dive this and hit this pretty hard and after the draft we'll do free agency we'll talk nba subscribe to us and uh, we'll give you some some great info we'll keep coming at you thanks that's all for now